Welcome to the Complete Sinner's Guide. This is a show about sin, really a show about learning how to live with sin and avoid it. This week we're talking about drug addiction. We have a great panel, a great collection of hosts this week. We've got people that have struggled with drug addiction, people who have not struggled with drug addiction. So we think we're going to be able to present all sides fair and balanced. With me, as always, your host, Tyler Fowler. Tyler, welcome to the program, my friend. What is going on, Noah? How are you doing this hey, week, brother? You know what? I'm better than I deserve. It has been a fantastic week. With us, Joshua Davidson, Michael Keaton. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm doing all right, bud. Thanks for taking the time to be here. We appreciate having you. So, Tyler, I guess to start the discussion, I'll turn it over to you. I know that you... Uh, you're going to go through your testimony, and um, and you guys are going to talk about how it is that you struggled um, with substance abuse, and um, I-, I guess we'll try to provide some insight as to how uh, maybe how that looks from the outside, maybe some things that those of us that have not struggled with substance addiction uh, can do for those that are going through that. So there's a few things that I really want to hammer home tonight. And I think we've, Josh and both Michael have, we've all kind of been talking about <clears throat> this week, two main points. And that is, I want to give the addict's perspective. I'm one of those who Noah just said, we do have a very balanced panel tonight. Two of us have actually, and are actually, <clears throat> this is a present tense conversation. So, so buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, we have one for you tonight. Uh, Michael and I both struggle with drug addiction and our drug right now is Suboxone. So, so there's motive behind that. There's a whole lot of things that we're going to get actually into giving you guys a little bit of our personal testimonies. And then I want to focus on two main points that that I talked about just a second ago. I want to give the addicts perspective on some miss, miss, uh, misunderstood stereotypical things people normally think of when you think drug addict. We want to clear those things up. And the second thing is we want to help members of the church, believers like me, you, Noah, Michael, Josh, we want to equip the church, the body of Christ, to help, to begin practically helping the, I think, one of the definitely worse than COVID. This is an epidemic of mass proportions. And, and and I do not say that lightly. Opioid addiction, which is the background that Michael and I both come from, <clears throat> is very serious here in America. And to be perfectly honest, and I'm not here to bash the church. I'm not here to bash anybody. But I, it, it, it's a topic that isn't spoken about within the walls of where we worship on Sundays and Saturdays. Mm. We, I, I believe that this conversation, and I think people, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of being addicted to something and where everybody else wasn't. And, and, oh man, I'm the only one who's, who's struggling with this, right? Thank God I found Michael. But the point is. Then you found out there was only two of you in the world that were struggling, right? Ah, I know, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot more than that, brother. There's a lot more than that. And here's the thing. We need to be comfortable talking to other brothers who are not struggling with this thing. Not only do they need to understand it, 
So from a one-on-one individual perspective, we need to understand these things and we need to be able to respond to them in a godly way. That's the two main things I want to focus on tonight. So if you're with me, let's, let's, let's dive in, let's dig in. And I want to begin kind of, Mike, we both have a past. Can you give kind of just a brief summary, bro, just whatever you're comfortable with, but a brief summary. And then I'll go after that of kind of where we're coming from our uh, credentials, so to say, on, on exactly what happened to us and why we feel that we are, what's the word? Uh, we we can be authorities on this thing. We've experienced it. We've been in the shoes of you guys who have walked a mile, a thousand miles with drug addiction. We know what it's like, so we're here for you. We love you, and we want to help. So, Mike, if you would, let's begin with your testimony um, on drugs. Yeah, well, for me, it started, uh, strangely enough, and I've heard this story from others as well, it actually started... Uh, as, as, as oftentimes, uh, opioid addiction does with just being prescribed opioids. Uh, you know, I was kind of, I grew up as, as kind of the same local mentality a lot of people have here in my small community, which is, uh, to associate, uh, drug addicts with, uh, thieves and other sorts of criminals. Like it's just evil and no excuse for it. So drugs are the furthest thing from my mind. I never wanted to do them, had no interest in it. I uh, had a minor surgery and that's the first time I ever received. Uh, uh, opiates and it just happened at the time I, I just got out of school I was staying home by myself uh, for the first time playing video games all day and once I was hurting a little extra bad and instead of taking one as prescribed I took two and the feeling was uh, as they say you for it I uh, just felt fantastic great and so from there I would say that in the next couple of years I would just occasionally if I could get my hands on some opiates I would just socially do them to, to catch a buzz or whatever and eventually that led into just uh, going on a about a one-month binge of doing them every day, I got my hands on some, and then I realized at that point when I stopped, suddenly my body was going through pains that I've never experienced before, and that was my first introduction to withdrawal. Let me let me ask you this, Michael: when you when you when you were doing this, as you're going through this process, is the do you have a, a walk with Jesus prior to this? None, no, no, none at all. Uh, I, you- mean, I, I was always the kind of person that. Uh, I would say I believed in God, but no, no relationship with Jesus at all. Do you think if you had, if you had a relationship with Jesus, or if you'd have been plugged in with the church, or maybe a combination of the both, do you think it would have, would would it have had any effect? I think so. I think so. If we're talking about legitimate, a legitimate relationship with Jesus and a legitimate church family that maybe I could have reached out to, then yeah, I believe I do like to think it would have went way different. I want to get into that a little bit later because there is a difference, I believe, with someone who's a new creation and someone who is still flesh, right? Who is still born under the flesh and, and controlled by the flesh. So I would, I, I want to get into that here in a little bit, but I think that to that there is there, there's a difference between fighting or or just having believers to go to a support system, a structured support system, even. Um, in that setting, in that kind of environment, to surround yourself with believers, absolutely, I think it makes the world a difference. What do you think, Josh? The, the difficulty is that, as as Michael said, there's already a preconceived kind of notion about the kind of person, let's say. We'll say the kind of person, and what I mean by that is exactly what I'm talking about, that stereotypical picture that kind of creeps in the back of our mind when we say the word addict, or when we say the word drugs, or when we say the word 
um, you know, a, a addiction. And it's like, these, right. the, these, these aren't dirty words. These are, these are words that have meaning just like any other word. And it's, it, you know, to, to take them beyond what they mean and imply something further, I think is a disservice to the people that are in need. But, um, you know, to, to answer more directly what you asked, it, it's difficult for the, the person who's in addiction to reach out in that way and be around people who are overtly not in, in that order and not in that condition, not, not feeling that need, right. Not feeling right. the, uh, the weight of what it is you're experiencing and then trying to speak honestly with them and expecting them to understand your point of reference. It's very intimidating, honestly. Sure. And I, I just, um, I, I, I would, I would, I would understand, um, you know, somebody's drawback, but as somebody who, who would be the listener, um, I, I, I understand how intimidating that is. And, I don't take, I, I personally try never to take it for granted when somebody does confide in me and I make sure to let them know sure. that I don't take for granted that they trust me. So the, I would say that the, 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 the person who is the addict needs to learn to find people that they can trust with their self and not just like what they want somebody to see, but who they actually are. You can find somebody that you can trust yourself with. Right. Absolutely. For those let, who don't. Let me, I just, I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit if I can. So what, yeah. what would you say? What would you say, Josh, would be the uh, what? What is the appropriate heart approach? I'll 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 set up a couple of different scenarios, right? So, for example, somebody comes to you and confides in you. Now, this behavior is a socially unacceptable. B, it's illegal. C, it's dangerous to the person's health. D, it could be dangerous not only to that person's health, but it could be dangerous to the health of the spouse or the kids involved and something like that, right? So there's mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of pressure, there's probably a lot of social pressure for us to say, this is why we have to either write this person off, turn this person into the police, get this person to a hospital, do all of the things that we mm -hmm. in society decide we want to do because we don't, well, frankly, because we don't actually believe that that jesus is capable of doing that himself we gotta we gotta substitute it with human stuff right but what what is the appropriate heart i like what you're saying when you say hey i don't take it for granted i understand that that that's a tremendous of responsibility that that i have and that somebody's entrusting me with what is the appropriate heart to approach that kind of situation with um i would say with with the the highest level of of like in some sense you would have to be capable of self-reflection in order to really see, you know, for me, it's important to notice that I'm just as much a monster as someone else. Mm. And I, I shouldn't be looking at them like they're the monster and I'm not. Um, neither of us are in a position to look at each other as though I'm the innocent one and you're the one who's guilty and needs my help. It's like, no, that's not the position I'm in. So honesty and humility is crucial to being able to approach somebody in order to listen so that you can properly understand where they're coming from. I mean, in any other scenario, you, you should be listening in order to understand and not listening just in order to respond, you know, because I, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting to listen to somebody's story, you know, and especially if it's a captivating story or if there's tragedy involved and it's like, I'm not being entertained by this person. I'm being trusted by this person. And I need to feel the gravity and the weight of that. So it's it's a matter of honesty and humility for the listener, the person who's being confided in. That's a that is a big responsibility, and nobody should ever take that for granted. I think that's one of the first mistakes is people people think that it's like saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I was I was hard up on cash the other day. I kind of stole a burrito from Seven Eleven." They're like, "Man, that's not cool. That's not a good thing to do." And like then then they're over it. But it's yeah. like, no, like this is much bigger than like oh, I did some petty thing. It's like. No, my person is being compromised and I feel like you're not going to love me anymore if I tell you. 
Right. That's I, such a good way to put that. Well, I so let me ask you this then. So it starts with the heart. And just like Noah, you asked about motive, right? This is what drives a person ultimately. And so we begin with the heart. We begin drug addiction is a fruit of something to kind of bring this, you know, around full circle to, to drug addiction. This is a product of something that's deeper. Agreed? Yes. So what, I mean, obviously that's sin. We can all look out in the world and see that there is something wrong with the world, that there is something. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? So where do we begin fixing it? We have to begin at the root, right? And so the Mm -hmm. gospel, right, is this not every single thing that you can think of that stems from sin, drug addiction, pornography addiction, all of it, and cigarette addiction, no matter the level, no matter the severity, it's all the same. It goes back to a root, and that root Jesus came to die for, or like Jesus literally came to set us free from, right? We're going to get into Romans 6 here in a minute, but is that where we start? I mean, the gospel, it has to be, right? Tyler, well, I mean, just super excited that you mentioned that because uh, just quickly, and I know we'll we'll, we'll probably get into to, to steps the church can take later, but I just wanted to say that, yes, I think the gospel has to be central because I have known in my life people that have went to different programs that's church-sponsored uh, to, to help with addiction, and I've seen these guys go and come back, and they still can't tell you the first thing about the, the, the most uh, uh, fundamental aspects of Christianity because it's sort of like those mission trips where people go and you're bringing food and you're building houses and all those things are good. But central to that is the gospel. People need to know you're a sinner, you're, you're a debtor against God, and you're in major trouble. You're in need of a Savior. And guess what? Here's what the Savior has come, and here's what he's done for you. So, yes, fundamentally, absolutely, the gospel must be central. Go ahead, Josh. What was you? Uh, well, you, well, you had asked specifically if, if the gospel, um, you said that has to be first, right? That has to be first. Um, in some sense, our 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 lived testimony is the first gospel this person will encounter, honestly, because your words, right. if they're, if they're, especially if this is a person who's currently under the influence, we have to take all these things into account. Life is not, you know, a two dimensional uh, pamphlet of how you evangelize people. It's like, it's not going to be a one, a one to one ratio of things. And, and sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who's in addiction, you might even be dealing with somebody who's currently in a state where their mind is not quite tracking like yours is and you have to level with them on a more um uh, uh emotion based not you know like not not lofty reason not piety statements not just starting quoting the bible to them or anything like that but just, sure of course you know in some sense eye contact recognition and giving them the personhood that that you want to establish with them and seeing telling them letting them know they'll care what you have to say when they know that you care so if, we, if I can if I can reframe if I can reframe a little bit so what you know what Michael was saying yeah. was is that the, the the gospel should always be central and I, I agree Correct. it doesn't always need to be first but I I, I I think I agree with with Michael in that it should be central in that 
if you absolutely what you're saying, Josh, and and really the 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 overall pattern of your discussion is this: you put the Savior first, you seek after Him. Because of that, it informs the way and directs the way that you treat other people. The if 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 your if your desire in life is to walk like Jesus did two thousand years ago, then you're constantly seeking to love other people. Of course, Jesus never would have turned away a drug addict. Or, in fact, he spent all of his time around the, the worst of society. Right? That's what of he course. did. Right. And, and so, but so then, if we if we kind of if we kind of back out that thirty thousand foot view is well, what's the why? Why are we? Why do we do that? How do we do that? What is the motivation behind that? What's the goal and what's the driving factor? All of those things come back to one central person. That is Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, and, and that's you're exactly right because that's actually if you were to peel back the curtain and ask the motive for the thing. Because I'm I'm trying to be more practical than right. than, than theological in yeah. some sense. But yeah, you're right. In 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 the backdrop of where it is that I'm coming from when I approach someone this way. I am, I'm trying to recognize that they equally were made in the image of God. They were formed by him in the womb and they were made by his direct intervention. They're a miracle. And I should treat them as such mm, because that's how child. I want to be treated. I want to be treated like I'm a miracle, like I've never happened before and I'll never happen again. Mm -hmm. That's how I want to be treated. And if I treat someone that sure. way and I expect of them that they can <clears> even <throat> receive something like that, because a lot of the time is we, we don't even know how somebody's going to react. And then we, we let it stop us from ever trying. And that's a bad mm -hmm. idea. Absolutely. And so for those following along, right, Josh, what I think anyway, Josh is saying is that we have to begin to get to know who this person is, the person that we are interacting with. We take time. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think there's different circumstances for do we, you know, do we do we get to know a person before we share the gospel with them or do we, you know, just share the gospel with everybody? I think there's a time and a place for both, right? And so yeah, of we, we have to, Josh, you, you work with drug addicts on a daily and you have the, the privilege, in my opinion, to get to know these people, to sit down, to talk with them one on one, asking them where they've been in life. Like, what have you done? And, and, and I really, you know, I would like to get into my uh, testimony just, just as a, you know, um, a backdrop for this conversation, <clears throat> but 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 to your point, Josh, you're absolutely right. Beginning with the practical you, keeping everything even about you gospel-centered, living like Jesus. I, I said it on one episode. I'll say it again. The Bible isn't the light of the world. The Christian is the light of the world. Why? Nobody reads the Bible, but every single person listening, watching, whatever, reads the Christian. And so with that how we act, what we do. This is why holiness is so important in the Christian life and why we can't. This is why Paul says in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid the way my pastor uh, translates that verse is, ah, no! Like there's this there's this emphasis. It, it, it's the most, and Michael, my Greek uh, little, my, my Greek nerd um, who, who knows Greek as well, right? That's what that means, that, that Greek phrase there in Romans 6, uh, 1 and 2. It means, with the most dramatic emphasis, no, we shall not. Why? Because those who trust Christ, and this is why it's a gospel-centered thing. This is why we trust Christ with our salvation, and we trust Christ with our sanctification. Now, an interesting topic I want to like, I would like to get into is, is drug addiction 
easier or fill in the blank there for someone who has been born again versus someone who has not. I would like to talk about that a little bit. And, and, and what role does the Holy Spirit play in helping, in actually overcoming? Because Christ said he has set us free from something, ladies and gentlemen. Free from what? Romans answers that question. Free from sin. We have been set free from this thing, the root. This is why I said the gospel is the gospel's the remedy. Because it gets at the root. Christ bore our sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. God punished him. Theologians call this substitutionary atonement. Just real quick to, to make my point. But Christ bore our sins on the cross. He took our sins on himself, paid the price, satisfied God the Father's wrath for sin, and says, and then rose three days later, sitting at the right hand of God now, waiting to come back one day to judge the world. He said the first time he came back, he said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. The next time Christ comes back, it'll be to judge the world. And we've been given a mission as the church, as the body. This is why we keep the gospel centered, right? Because it focuses on the root. And so we carry this message far and wide to everyone listening, right? And this is where it begins. This is where conquering drug addiction begins. It's where it began with me. It's where it began with, with Michael. And I, Mike, Mike, just if I can ask you a question real quick. Whenever you were born again, <clears throat> how did your fight with drug addiction change? Because for me, just real quick, wow. for me, God gave me the desire to quit. And confession, just real quick, I had quit. I'm, I'm on Suboxone now, too, because I was really bad on pain pills. And I had been put on Suboxone. I finally, God gave me the desires to finally get clean. And so I started with Suboxone because quitting cold turkey was not an option for me. But... And, and I don't mean to jump in on the, on the question, Mike, but just hold that thought for just a second, bro. But hear me out. That I was bad. And so with Spoxon, I would have been clean already. I've relapsed. And so now I'm on that road to actually tapering down again. To two tonight, I'm down to one a day, which I went from two a day, and I'm finally cut down to one a day again. So thank God for that. And so I plan on continuing to go down and down and down. So, so the point I'm trying to make there is that I'm back on the right road, right? I'm not, I'm not, I haven't, you know, I'm not drug free yet, but I am getting there. And so just praise God for that. But the gospel changed for me or, or the gospel changed my drug addiction problem for me because it gave me the desires to want to get clean. Why? Because of my love for Christ and actually understanding what he did for me, what I just explained to y'all, took my sin on that cross. Whenever I realized that, everything changed. That's whenever I wanted to live for him. And, and we say it all the time, the gospel changes people. This is why we say it. This is why we preach it. This is why I'm so adamant about it, is because it actually changes people, and it makes you want to change. People say, well, you can get saved and live however you want. Absolutely, I live however I want. I live by pleasing God because I want to please God. That's that's the difference, I think, between you know the, the saved and the lost. But but like I said, to 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 wrap this up now, I promise. We 
as addicts, Michael and I, whenever the gospel entered our lives, it changed us. And so back to the question that I asked you earlier, Mike, how did the gospel change your fight with drug addiction? Well, I'd say the first thing that happened was up until I met Jesus Christ in a personal way, my thoughts had been, poor me, I'm a victim here. Why do these physical withdrawals happen to me? Why Why am I spending money? Because if I don't, I'll feel so bad. Why is this happening? And so then there was a shame. Once I got, once I, once I, uh, I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I understood that what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm dishonoring my body and I'm dishonoring him. There was motivation, uh, uh to drop the habit. And then on top of that, reading scripture really understanding suffering. There's no accidental suffering, uh, for the believer. Like, yes, this is suffering, but there's a purpose for it and a purpose behind it. And so I know it. And so it helped me to understand that, okay, what's happening now, uh, is like Peter tells us, you know, after this. Uh, uh, God is going to renew and he's going to strengthen us and endure us. Uh, so going through this with faith, knowing that he's getting me through it, uh, just helped me to progress in such a way that, that cravings almost uh, disappeared and I could actually do something like a Suboxone program uh, and the temptation to do anything different were almost gone. Uh, so I've seen the work of the Lord in this. Even though I'm not where I want to be, I've seen the work of Christ in this. Can I ask you just real quick, where, if I can, where are you? right now like i'm like i said i'm down to one pill once a box in a day where are you in your um taper uh, schedule right now one and uh one and a quarter a day right oh, now. one and a quarter awesome man congratulations for those who don't know just real quick and then i'll give the mic over to noah for those um who who aren't familiar with it tapering what that means is so normally a drug, someone coming off heroin, or, or me, for example, someone coming off roxycodone and uh, hydrocodone. So these are pain pills that normally call Lortabs and Roxies. So anyway, <clears throat> coming off of that, they gave me, uh, starting out with two Suboxone a day. That's eight milligrams, or that's eight milligrams of pills, so sixteen milligrams a day, right? And so now I'm down to eight. Michael's down to uh, twelve, I think it would be. Uh, but anyway, so that's kind of where tapering comes in. So you start out with a high dose and you taper your way down until you're virtually taking nothing. What that does is it eliminates withdrawals or, or helps with withdrawals. Anytime you take more away, and Josh and I will talk about this a little bit later, but your body becomes physically dependent on these things. So when you take it away from your body, your body doesn't like it. And it starts saying, I want that. And it starts making you do things like vomit. And it, and it starts with a headache, really. And then you start shaking. And then you start getting chills. And then you eventually vomit. And then you eventually are on the floor shaking because you're having hot flashes and cold flashes the next minute. It's the worst hell I've been through. Uh, withdrawals. Uh, opiate withdrawals. I just, that's what I would like to say. And I don't want to slow the conversation down. but really, No, please. Say it. Mike, if, please. Anyone's out there and you if anyone's out there and you've not experienced addiction up close and personal, uh, and I can only speak to opioid addiction, but sometimes we tend to have this picture of people who just, they want to get high, they want to get a buzz, and that's all there is to it. And I would say, please have some compassion on because I'm telling you, these physical withdrawals, they're not just mental things that people imagine. They're quantifiable. Right. I, it's, it's the worst feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. It is it so is bad. For the first time in my life, I real I could understand why people sometimes wanted to. I, I was never suicidal, but I can understand why someone would not want to wake up every day feeling that way. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Because here's the way I would just explain it real quick and then Noah jump in. But I would explain it like this. I don't take my Suboxone to get high. I take it to feel normal. And that's just coming from an, a someone who is physically, there's a difference, I think, between someone who's physically dependent on a chemical and someone who gets high on the weekends just because it feels good, right? Like there's a big difference there. That person can put that down and not experience anything, any kind of symptoms or any kind of withdrawals. The person who puts down Suboxone, like if I were to put that down right now, I would experience the worst withdrawals, like to me, because I've had them before. I went without, and it's not fun at all. So like Michael said, the next time you're talking, understand that they're not normally, if it, if you're an addict anyway, you are not taking pills to get high. You are taking pills to feel normal. Because if you don't, you will feel like hell. Noah, you got anything to add to that? No, I obviously I can't. You know, go ahead, Michael. Just when we when, when when an addict says I take this to feel normal, I think sometimes people have trouble understanding what they mean and what that means is <laughs> yeah, not that you're without any of the normal aches and pains, but the way that you felt before you ever took a drug. That's what we would consider normal. So, I mean, and Mike, is there, I mean, because kind of like Noah was saying, to, can we do, is there anything else you would want to add from the addicts POV per se, or would you want to kind of transition now into how, how is the church? How is the body? How can I help someone like this? Because it sounds like hell, if you've never experienced this before and you're listening, um, also, if you got a call or if you've got a question, call us one 855 If you're listening to this, KQQ. 88.3 FM. Thank you so much. And if you're tuning in at kqqradio.com, thank you for listening. Uh, but yeah, give us a call if you got a question. 1-855-450-6624. But Mike, um, do you want to kind of transition to church etiquette as I've kind of got it wrote here? Or is there anything else you would like to address from the addict's uh, perspective? No, I think, yeah, I think we're ready to transition. That's the only thing we just, I would, I would, I would beg everyone to keep in mind, please, that, that, that people in this position are, it's not, it's more than just a willpower thing. Uh, believe if there's actual yeah. physical, uh, manifestation there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Josh, um, how, let me ask you this. Where, since you, for those who don't know, for those who don't know, Josh, works at the mission in um, California, right? And Josh, you can be more specific if you'd like to be. Um, but actually, yeah, go ahead. What For those who don't know you, just brief summary, who do you work with, who do you work for, and what do you do on a daily basis? Uh, well, I am um, uh, maintenance personnel for the Bay Area Rescue Mission in Richmond, California. Um, and the the organization is a Christian-based uh, religious um, uh, recovery program that is a 12-month program and we also uh, run a homeless shelter as well as a public kitchen um, and uh, I am maintenance to all five buildings that are involved in the in the organization's operation and also I, I get the the you know obviously I'm around the buildings constantly I'm moving around I'm doing things I'm working on things and so I'm I'm on the inside so to speak I'm around um I'm around everyone all the time and um, I become almost as normal to them as the walls that they're living next to. And they get very comfortable with me. 
Uh, and so they, they, you know, once they do, they feel like talking to me and if they want to talk, then, then I'll talk with them. You know, if, if, uh, if they just want to like joke around or whatever, then I can joke with them. It's just uh, half the time, you know, it's important to, to one of the, one of the things that you'll see if you come up to the door of the mission is it says, if you don't have a friend in the world, you can find one here. And so that's, that's what they do. I love that. You know, I don't, obviously I can't relate to the, to the extent that you guys can, cause I've never had that particular struggle, but I, what, what I, what I do get from it or what I do take away is a lot of questions, uh, questions, curiosity, and, and I guess to a certain extent, a, a, a healthy desire to try to want to understand for people that have not had that walk, what kind of things can we keep in mind as the church body to make sure that we're loving these people well? Mike, how would you answer that? And then I'll jump in after this, but how would you answer that, Mike? Uh, again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, and I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm not exactly a bleeding-heart liberal when it comes to sin. I, I always recognize <laughs> the, that, that facet of, of willful uh, and, and knowing rebellion against God, so certainly there's that aspect of it. But if I could stress any one thing, it's just compassion. Please, more compassion than you're mustard, maybe, because believe me, addicts, especially if they're reaching out uh, in the church uh, type of setting, believe me, they're feeling bad enough already. They understand what they're doing is wrong. So please remember the compassion that we're commanded to uphold. Amen. Absolutely. Be compassionate. But be compassionate and actually love. Let us let our light shine. Let us be like Christ and love your neighbor, love your brother, love everyone um, who... And it's not me. I'm not saying like treat someone differently because they're a drug addict or, or because you think they might be a drug addict. What I'm trying to say is us as drug addicts, we need to be more vocal. And that comes with trust. That comes with time. That comes with a lot of time and a lot of trust uh, needs to be established. I think at that point between uh, before two people uh, talk about that type of thing, but I think the conversation needs to begin to start happening. If you're someone you know is struggling with drug addiction, that's step one, I think. You want to begin tonight? Like, I want to do this every episode, but if you want to begin tonight, if you know somebody or if you are somebody struggling with drug addiction, reach out to someone. Maybe that person last week I told you guys to uh, present the gospel to or share the gospel to or two weeks ago, whatever it was tell them are they struggling with drug addiction are you struggling with drug addiction reach out that's step one and and, and trust right josh yes um that, and that's that's ultimately what i was saying before yeah is that um you know i it's easy enough for me to tell you that you know you're sinful and that god is holy that you need redemption and that god has taken care of it and this is how it's easy enough for me to present that information but if i can't if I can't present myself as somebody who is not only, um, you know, in the know and can explain things, but also in the life and can live it also, if I'm not living it, then, then what I have to say is going to be very less, very much less valuable to that person, um, as, as the, the one receiving the gospel from me, especially if they're in a position that, you know, like you said, they're trying to reach out something, something it's like, if I'm, if I'm trying to to cut off their story that they're telling me or whatever it is, it's like if they're trying to 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 confide in me and I'm not 
I'm not interacting with what they're saying. Instead, I'm trying to give them Bible verses and, and just slip the gospel in wherever I can just to make sure that I'm giving them the gospel. It's like, yeah. I'm making it very evident that I'm not listening. And and yeah. listening and being treated like a person is, like Michael said, that's crucial. It's crucial to the person in that position. They need to know that they're a person. They need to know that they're worth your time. So maybe they can be worth their time. And they'll take something and run with it. And you can be some sort of motive force when you act out the gospel in front of them by being God's ambassador, a lover of man, right? Hey, the, ten, the, 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 the one who, who cares sad. for his brother. It's like, extend yourself, really. And it's not like you have to go ahead and fund this person or let them stay in your basement. It's like, that's not the first thing you do. You know what I mean? The first thing you do is try to level with them as a person and treat them like a person. Right, because the we have to remember, and and please, ladies and gentlemen, Facebook is not the place to have this conversation. Facebook no. Messenger might be the place to start the conversation, like if you want to reach out to somebody. But this is a face to face conversation, unless you're just like you've got a best friend that's in another country or something visiting. Like that's the only exception. But this is for some face to face preferably i think we could all agree that this is face to face and this is where the church this is where the local church comes into play it's best i think to happen there like i'm not saying per se every church has to start a um recovery center right or a rehabilitation center i'm not saying that what i'm saying is be more open and like josh said perfectly just piggybacking on what he said be more open but on both sides of the aisle to be willing to talk and if you are privileged enough to have that trust with somebody be willing to listen because let me tell you something and this is just me speaking personally if you break that trust You'll never have it again with that person. I promise mm. you. I, it, it takes, if it, if it, if it does take, if, if it does mend, it takes years. Go ahead, Noah. Uh, uh, yeah. I was, I want to dig into that a little further. Let's talk about some of the ways that people can break trust. What kind of things are considered a breach of trust? Mm. So for example, my friend comes to me and says to me, Hey, I decided to pick up XYZ habit. And I say, Oh man, that's, that's really terrible. I better, uh, I better go call the drug addiction counseling center and have them give you a call so I can get you back on the right path. Or maybe I'll sit no. you down. With the, maybe I'll invite you. No. To sit, how about I'll, I'll invite you to sit down with my pa uh, pastor and sit down. And you can explain to him what you told me because I need to get you. Some, you know what I mean? The, it comes. It seems like that would come from a good place, but it, me, it's such a violation of trust. So here's the thing, real quick. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. The quickest way you break a person's trust is by forcing them to do something they don't want to do. Mm. Hear me out. You could love this person to death. You can love them to death. But if you force them to quit drugs, they will end up hating you for it. I promise you. An addict, and this goes on both sides. Again, the person confronting and the person uh, that is the addict, the addict only quits when the addict wants to, this has got to be desires from within oneself, subjective or, or God-given desires, however you want to look at that. But what I'm saying is this has to start with the person. If, if that addict does not want to quit and is not committed, you're just wasting your time. Trust me. But don't, well, that's not exactly true. It's not a waste of time. It might be a, a misappropriation of time and effort, but it's not a waste because the person who's in the position of the addict still can detect in some sense that you're 
you're spending your time and your energy trying to communicate with them something about their importance and why they might they might be resentful um in some sense there can always be a moment of clarity so it's not necessarily wasted it just it's not as productive at all it really isn't productive but it's not necessarily wasted god can use everything we're so yeah, I guess just to clarify on that, nothing's wasted. Everything we do has purpose. Many times, many times said that. You know what I'll, I mean? So what I'll, I mean though, uh, go ahead, Mike. I, I would, well, I would say from you know, and if we're talking about if we if we even use the phrase waste of time, I think we would we, we would we could be talking about eternally. And I want to really quickly just have this one last opportunity. And at the risk of just repeating something Noah said, kind of a combination of what Noah said and actually maybe exactly what Noah said uh, and what Josh was talking about. Yes, we need to let the person know that, that, they, that they matter, that they're image bearers of God, that they're our neighbor, we're here, we're listening, we care. That's very important. If you just blandly and disingenuously uh, give someone the gospel, then you're not doing a lot for them. But it goes back to something I talked about earlier. I saw a video about missions and how, there were these young kids, and they were building houses, and they were doing all these good deeds, but they, they just weren't able to communicate the gospel. And so ultimately, they weren't doing a lot of good. And this is, and I said the other night in a discussion that we had privately, that I didn't want to pile on the church. I'm not saying the church has dropped the ball completely, but there's always that risk of we're doing all these good deeds and we're helping people. But ultimately, I've seen people come back from Christian drug programs and even had them tell me, oh, I got baptized, and, and, and they couldn't communicate the gospel. They, they didn't really know what it was or what it meant. And so... A combination of the things we talked about. Yes, we do the good deeds and and help out, and we're there for people. But also, uh, ultimately, whether a person's on drugs or off drugs, the most important help we can give anyone is to make sure they understand the gospel and why they need it. And so that's what I would urge the church to do. On top of the good deeds and helping someone straighten their life out for us, the most important thing is that they come to know Jesus Christ. So we sort of have to wrap all this up, really, mm, right, and, and turn it into something. No, you're absolutely right, Michael. You're absolutely right. Like I said, all of these different things that we're going to be talking about over the weeks, drug addiction, pornography addiction, masturbation, lust, a lot of sexual um, uh, episodes, because men in particular, I know I do, um, This th these episodes are personal because they are something that I've personally experienced and personally fought, right? So, and, and personally am overcoming. So, so this is my, like, I'm preaching to myself more than anybody on this. Uh, so trust me on that because I'm fighting it as well. Um, but, but Mike, I, I think you're spot on brother, um, with that, but this is gospel centered because it hits the root. Like I was saying, all of these different things we're going to be talking about, it all stem, stems from sin, right? And, and different circumstances, different uh, walks of life, all of the variables that are out there. And trust me, there's millions of them, right? We're, we're all individuals and we all have very individual uh, experiences. But with the the common denominator in all of it, is that all of these sinful things that we're discussing are just that they stem from that sin and the gospel is the center or, or the remedy for that. Noah. Sir. Yes, sir. And anything to add? No, no, I, I agree with all of that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this, this conversation has been really, really fruitful for me personally um, because it, it's kind of having to organize my thoughts in this way um, about you know, rather than thinking about how I would approach something, but giving, taking my experience and making it something practical for someone else 
who hasn't had my experience, which is what you guys are doing, but from a different, it's, it's interesting because we're doing the same thing, but from two different ends of it, you know, it's like, um, yeah. I've been the person who cares about the addict and, and I've not been the addict. Right. right. So, but I can care about the addict. So and I've perf- seen, I've seen, I've seen what somebody gets sober and, and the, the beautiful, yeah. fruitful expression of God's love that you feel toward them when you can hug them and celebrate their success. That's beautiful and irreplaceable. Right. No, I'm right there with you, brother. And I can't wait for that day myself. Right. Because it is, I think for anyone where I'm at in it, especially seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, so to say, like I see the finish line, I'm almost there. I know it. Like whenever I reach that, it'll be the day that I can't wait to rejoice with all the people that's helped me, including everybody on this, uh, in particular episode. Uh, but, but like I said, but, but to kind of clarify what I said earlier, not to really dwell on it anymore, just just to clarify, whenever I said it was a waste of time, what I meant was for my from from my perspective, whenever someone would try to talk to me about quitting, I shut them down immediately. I didn't want to like that was not a thing on my mind. I heard what they say. It, it played a part, you know, whatever. But for me, none of that had an effect until I actually I wanted it. Does that make sense? I think yeah. so. Yeah, it, it does make sense. Yeah, it makes it makes it makes the same amount of sense as if I, you know, I, no nobody could nobody could force me into gaining new hobbies by way of passion, right. passionate argument or force or something like that. Like my passions are something that I have to willfully engage with, and you can't force them on me and make them into a passion. Mm. That exactly. won't work. Exactly. As passionate as somebody is about someone else quitting, you can be passionate to the moon and back. But whenever that person like it, yes, do that, encourage the person. But again, be careful not to push them away because that's very that that happens a lot more than unfortunately people maybe realize. Like we 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 want something so bad for someone else and we end up pushing them off the cliff and they end up rejecting us. I'm not saying that happens every time, but a lot of times it does happen just because we want what's best for somebody else. And also, it's not the case all the time that the person um, who is caring for the addict, the person who's, who's saying, I see where you are and you, you don't have to be there. You, you could do this. You could do this. And the, the yeah. addict is just enraged and says, no, you don't know. You don't know. And it's like, that could sometimes be a relational baggage issue. And that person that's trying to give the advice is half yeah. the time, the trigger and it's not helping. <laughs> it's actually inflaming. And right. you might not be their help. You might just be their backup. <clears throat> And you need right. to find help. You need to be ready to reach out uh, to other resources and refer them or you, some, something like right. sometimes it's not you. It's not you. It's you. You can't you're not going to fix them. You know what I mean? And right. and in, in some sense, that's painful and it hurts. But reality is like that. It's not it's not two dimensional. It's complicated, sure. you know. And so the person who's in that position, like your fatigue. Sometimes when you feel like, for, oh, they're not listening or they're not going to hear me or whatever. And, you know, I feel like it's a waste of time to them. Like, understand this, that maybe you're not the fix and maybe you need to find out what kind of resource is going to work for them because you're not helping. You are right. loving no, them I- and stop loving them. Never stop loving them. But Amen. if what you're doing by trying to help is hurting, then stop trying to help. Find someone who can. Right. Right. And, and to just kind of transition now in the last 10 minutes that we have, this is all 
this everything we've been talking about so far, besides the gospel is temporary, I've seen atheists get clean. I've seen Christians, I, I, I am a Christian, becoming clean, right? So I will get clean one of these days, right? Sanctification. I will be made like Christ. However, there's this interesting dilemma, maybe, not not dilemma, but the, but the point is that there are Christians and non-Christians or people who are not born again, people who are not indwelt by the Spirit of God, who get clean. This is a reality. So... What be, so so here's two things to take away from that. One, don't come to Christ to get clean. Come to Christ because we're a sinner. You're you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Josh, Mike, Noah, we're all sinners. We all we're 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 just talking about one sin in particular tonight. But all of us, all of us have this root that I've been kind of talking about tonight. All of us have this root. And we do things differently. Some struggle with porn. Some struggle with drug addiction and porn addiction. I did, and I, you know, and I still do struggle with lust. I think every man does to some degree or another. But that's another topic. But the point is, all of these things. There is a difference between Christians and non-Christians, and that's eternal. Again, all of this is temporary. What we're talking about, your drug addiction. If you're in Christ, this is temporary. If you're out of Christ or in Adam. This is temporary. Your drug addiction is. But what's not is where we will spend eternity. Where are, are we going to spend eternity with God? Or are we going to be cast in the lake of fire at the end of days? Because that's ultimately what all of this reality, what Josh said a while ago, this reality that we find ourselves in, that's ultimately what it's all taken down to anyway. So don't take away from this, come to God, he will make you stop being a drug addict. That's not what we're trying to say. What we are trying to say is come to Christ. He's going to save you because he took your sin on the cross 2,000 years ago and he rose from the dead to prove it. He takes your sin, and not only that, not only does he forgive you, he empowers you. Yes, let me say it again, empowers you to break free. You've been set free, Christ says. The sun sets free whom the sun sets free. They will be free indeed. And so... Go ahead, Noah. Go ahead. Well, I just it comes back to that living from freedom or living from love and acceptance rather than living for love and acceptance. You're not yes. there's nothing to earn, there's nothing to gain. Your yes. heavenly father is crazy about you, drug addiction or no drug addiction. Yes. And he's cleaning you up. Like will it whenever I'm dead, like I'm set free from everything. Every sin. All, all sin. I'm set free from it. So drug addiction for me will end one day. But the problem is not drug addiction ending. But I'm, where am I, where am I, what is my standing with God? That's ultimately what all this is about. Like I said, I try to keep every single episode centered on Christ and him crucified. And that's the question we have to answer ourselves. It does start there. And Christ does clean us up. And and like I said, overcoming drug addiction is part of that. So rejoice in it. But again, where is your soul? Where is your body? Because we're getting glorified bodies, people. We're getting bodies. Where does that, where will you spend eternity? Noah, go ahead. I didn't have a follow-up to that. That You said it well. Oh, oh okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought I uh, uh, heard you. My bad. Josh, um, anything to just kind of add uh, to that? Because th- this is this is critical. The gospel, I mean, I mean, all of this drug addiction, it's important, but secondary compared to are you born again or are you not? Right? Right. Well, that, I mean, 
yeah, in some sense, they, they're 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 impacted by one another. You know, yeah. um, the, the being saved impacts your sobriety. Um, yeah. But being sober doesn't impact your salvation, Amen. if that's what you meant. Amen. Um, just because oh, you man. stop taking pills or you get off of watching porn or you walk away from whatever it was that was your master because yeah. you are slave to whatever has mastered you. When, when you walk away from that thing, if you just walk away from one master into the void, you're going to get taken over by the next thing that hits you like a train. Yes. You, need to, you need to bow the knee to the sovereign. And that's the only cure to stopping going back to old masters over and over and over again. And, yep. and, and it's just, it's not, it's a cycle. That's why it's a cycle. Michael, go ahead. Yeah, I would just reiterate what you said. You know, you mentioned uh, don't come to Christ to get off drugs. And I would say that's true. That's what we're focused on tonight. But with anything, you know, don't, don't, it's not, well, I'll start doing all these good works. And I'll, I've heard so many people in my local community say, you know, well, I'm just not living right, but I know I need the Lord. But I, well, let's don't focus on living right. Let's focus, first of all, on realizing that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We all need a Savior. Go to Him, fall to your knees, cry out. Yes. Trust him, and then let Him uh, take over and do the rest. Yes. No, absolutely. No, anything um, last couple minutes we got. What I would close out with is just this. If 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 it's confusing to you, if the to- if, if what we're talking about is confusing or the practical yeah. application of it is confusing, then what, what I would encourage people to do is simply try to view it from a heavenly biblical perspective, right? The Bible tells us if we concentrate on things of heaven up yes. in heaven, we gain a heavenly perspective. And the Holy Spirit in, enables us to view things from a heavenly perspective. And the heavenly perspective is quite simple. It's this. Every person is a valued child of God and is, is a precious child of God. And so regardless of what it is they're struggling through or what it is they're struggling with, our job as the body of Christ is to be the hands, to be the people, to give the hugs, to be the listening ears, to be the people, to give the shirt off your back. And the, and, and I think sometimes that can be a challenging thing if i I, again i've not struggled with drug addiction myself but i've known plenty of people that have and um it it can be really challenging when you have somebody that is constantly asking for something doesn't appear to think about anyone or anything but themselves um and and really that's i think over the next few weeks that's what we're going to see is a consistent pattern of behavior right when we talk about things like sexual immorality drug addiction those kinds of things all of them have one central thing in common and the central thing in common is simply that we are seeking to satisfy our own desires and our own lusts and our, the things that, that right. appease us rather than the thing that is centered around Jesus. And so the, right. the, I, I, what I try to remind myself of every day uh, before I leave the house is my job is to be an example of Christ to everyone that I interact with. And I think if you, I think if you hold that perspective and I think if you go through life and, and love people in that way, you don't really have much to worry about because God will take care of the rest. And at the end of the day, it's important right. to remember it's not on us to save that person. It isn't on us to get that person off of an addiction or or out of a bad habit or out of a bad situation. That's all on God. That's his job. And if you're worried about it, then you're not trusting him to do that job. Your job is to be a willing participant. Your job is to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to go. And even when it's just a bush in your backyard, and even when it's the entire Egyptian empire, when God says go, your job is to say, yes, sir, and start marching. Right, exactly. We keep being Christians. 
we keep doing what God has commanded us, namely believing in Christ. Because here's the thing to add just what Noah said in, in the last closing moments. We trust Christ with our salvation. We trust Christ with the eternal state of our soul and body. Why aren't we trusting him now to do what he said he would do to make us more like him? That's the practical application. This isn't let go and let God. This is continue to believe and to trust and to love. And whenever we do that, we become more like Christ in sanctification and it becomes glorification in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. CompleteCenters.com is where you can catch every episode live Friday nights at Eastern or 7 Eastern, 6 Central. And we will see you next time on the Complete Centers Guide. I've been Tyler Fowler. You've been cool. Thank you. Good night. God bless. And see ya.